The Baptist and the Buddhist, identical twin brothers with two vastly different faiths. Join them as they explore their respective religions and how they differ and how they relate. Same DNA, different religions. Hey everybody, welcome to The Baptist and the Buddhist with Mark and Brian. And you beat me to it. I was going to do it. <laughs> well, I decided to just surprise you because we were just in the middle of a conversation. I'm like, hey, let's start. <laughs> <laughs> we are on episode 12, right? 12? I thought it was that 11. Seems unrealistic, but no... I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we did episode eleven last well, time. Well, you're you're caught up more than me with editing. Yeah, so, um, episode eleven, I believe. Yeah, you are correct. Wow. And no, ep- we're on episode twelve. Yeah, episode twelve. Ep- episode eleven happened. Wow. Okay, episode twelve. Here we episode are. Episode twelve. Man. We have a dozen episodes. A dozen. That is crazy. Um, well, right before we started the show, Brian, um, I was thinking, and I'm actually diverting my thought right now to something I should say is like, and subscribe and do, uh, do whatever buttons on whatever you're listening or watching this from YouTube, uh, podcast things, Podbean, if you're going back to our legacy hosting, um, uh, Instagram and Facebook were on there. Um, like email, email, classic. You can't go wrong with Baptist and Buddhist at gmail.com. You can't. It's and just, uh, it just feels right. You know, it, it really does. It really does. Um, I think what my my train of thought was right before I mentioned that was before we were talking. Or before we started the show, you're like, what are we talking about anyways? And I'm like, hey, let's start. (laughs) What are we talking about? We're talking about uh, prayer and meditation. Good. Because I think, again, I always bring this up every episode, but we kind of brought that up last episode, and it just naturally transitions this way into what prayer and meditation is all about. Um. Because just the natural flow of our show, it, it like the topics just make the make themselves up. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it I mean, is. It's very. I mean, we have we have like a list of like show ideas, but we don't know what order we're gonna do it in. And sometimes a random a a random topic will pop up, and it's like, hey, that would be a great episode. And it just seems like every episode lends itself to the next topic you know and there's a natural transition and i think that shows the conversation aspect of the show because it's it's just you and me talking um about things that we've really never uh dive like deep dived on before deep dove on before so like these things are just like it's like one big conversation like you could just listen to them over like back to back and it's like we never left the room um yeah we really haven't i've just i have a thing of shirts over here that i switch out and yeah we've been doing this for hours guys like we've been pulling an all-nighter no i'm kidding we've been <laughs> recording weekly we guys. probably very well could actually do that and not run out of 
stuff to talk about. Yeah, you know, if ever I find a low point in busyness of life, we could do that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, let's just go, let's just go camp in that cave for three weeks with the, <laughs> with lots of battery packs and generators <laughs> for our recording <laughs> equipment. But yeah, or a long extension cord. Yeah, long extension cord, long Ethernet cable. We're good. We don't need Ethernet if we're in the same cave. You know, <laughs> that's true. But then, how are we gonna? How are we gonna update Instagram? Wait, we don't update it from the computer. Never mind. <laughs> that's so old tech, man. <laughs> I don't even know. Can you do Instagram for from a computer? I don't think you can upload, but I think you can like see, like you can look at things but you can't post from a computer interesting wow that was a fun fact <laughs> so that was your insta fact of the day so speaking of wireless communication um prayer <laughs> <laughs> that was great that was great <laughs> so you so we brought up just the vague topic of prayer and meditation um, which I think from the Christian standpoint goes hand in hand. Um, and you might be able to even see one as alternating a direct current, like, uh, one, like prayer and meditation is kind of in one, but I'll, I'll kind of deep dive. Like it goes back and forth. It goes in two directions, alternating current. Um, mm. let's see. I'll start with talking about prayer first. Um, Really general, like in a very generic, basic sense, prayer is communication to God. Um, it's our words, our thoughts communicated to God. Um, and that's really the way, the one way we do communicate with God. And you see the communication back is through his word and with his Holy Spirit. So... When we're speaking to God, like a lot, a lot of people like, oh, if God knows everything, why do you have to like say a prayer or talk to him? It's like, I mean, that's a very fair question. Um, because the all knowing God knows your thoughts. Like Jesus even could like, he knew thoughts of people on earth, um, because like you'll read a passage where it's like, oh, Jesus knew his thought, and then he responded to the thought basically, or like brought up the situation or whatever the guy was thinking. Um. So naturally, I am gonna look at what does the Bible say about prayer, um, and really the the prayers purpose. There's like, it's many fold. I mean, you see making our needs made known unto God, um, which, you know, he already knows that, but it's really kind of like taking, a, a it's kind of showing your faith, your, your trust, like in presenting your needs. Cause like you might, 
need something from someone, but like, ah, I, I don't, I'm not going to bother with like telling, like asking them or telling them because it's just going to be a waste of time or I don't want to like annoy them. But like when it, when you do like some people might th- see that as like, wow, like you're, you're trusting me. You're, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're, uh, you know, connecting with me and like trusting me with your confidence. Yeah. Yeah. You're confiding in me. That's the word I was looking for. Um, so I think in, in a way it kind of shows that to God, like our heart, even though he knows our heart, but like it shows it to ourselves as well. Um, making our needs made known unto him, but also the, the Bible talks about prayer, in with thankfulness like showing thanks um and there's also like a secondary type of prayer that the bible kind of the the bible will group with prayer it's called supplication and that's really just like making your needs made known unto god you know asking for something um or you know i i don't want to say like begging or pleading but like that might be a, a supplication um, but thankfulness is a huge one that I've seen that Paul emphasizes prayer, like talking about being thankful, being, um, like mentioning, he, he always tells uh, the people that he writes the letters to that he like, he mentions them in his prayers. Um, and he thanks, uh, and he thanks God for, you know, whatever like whoever they are or whatever they did, like he has specific, um, specific, uh, situations or examples that he like thanks them for and says that he's thankful for them in prayer. Um, and I know a really kind of like a famous verse would be Philippians four, six. It, it says, be careful for nothing. So like, don't, um, worry about, anything basically like don't like be anxious or worry about these things don't care for everything it says be careful for nothing don't be full of care for everything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto god so that kind of wraps it up in one package right there um the supplication the prayer the thanksgiving the requests being made known unto god so um really that I think that kind of boils it down really, really nicely there. Um, and uh, some people see, um, some traditions in Christians see in Christianity sees like, uh, incense or smoke as a prayer when, uh, when the Jews would, um, perform their sacrifices and, um, like, uh, they would basically grill meat is basically what they did. Um, and the smoke of their sacrifices, God says it's a, like, it's a sweet savor unto him. And a lot of people will see that incense or the smoke, like as a picture of prayer going up into heaven or into, I mean, smoke doesn't go all the way up to heaven, but it's a picture of that. Um, and 
I mean, I, I don't disagree with that at all. It's a pretty good, uh, like analogy, if you will, of it going up, um, in, in that kind of traditional, like ritualistic sense, I guess. Um, but I think, I think the, the Catholics will see that a lot with their burning of incense and their, in the little incense balls or whatever. Yeah. The sensor. Um, and like I mentioned, like the Jews with their sacrifices and the, the smoke being, the sacrifices being a sweet smelling savor. Um, but there's a really interesting thing with, uh, prayer that Paul talks about, and I'm going to pull it up here real quick. It's in Romans eight twenty six. Yeah, verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. And he that searches searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Um, so, so like the spirit basically intercedes for our prayers and like requests things that we don't even know to request. Like uh, some people see it as like, I might say that I want a new, like I pray for, like I need a new car, like for work or something. Um, and maybe that's not exactly what the spirit thinks I need. So he'll translate that into something. I don't see it as much as that, as it is like, he knows I need something that I don't even need. I know that I don't even know I need, um, or, uh, something, something along those lines. And it's like, it's the, it's very, uh, it's very interesting to see that, that function of the Holy spirit, basically praying on our behalf and like making like basically like since he's indwelling the believers like he's indwelling us that he knows like what we're going through or knows what we actually need in life versus what we think we need or what we know we need like he actually knows so like he will make that prayer for us and he will intercede in that way and i just i just think that's like such an an interesting like tidbit of what the like just a one thing that the holy spirit does in our lives is that and i'm i think like what else is he doing that we don't know about um but like what is prayer like do we do we have to like bow our heads and close our eyes for it to work do we have to uh, say it a certain way? And I think I mentioned this a couple, like maybe last episode, how um, some traditions will stick with the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, <clears throat> I don't see it. Uh, in in a dispensational sense that like that's not a prayer for us to pray these days because we have our what a lot of people think 
daily bread like oh give us this day our daily bread like we have everything we need in the bible we don't need anything else um if we want if we want food like we work for food paul says a man that basically he says like if you don't work you don't eat whereas like jesus taught his disciples don't worry about that god's gonna take care of you he's gonna feed you um and that's because in the tribulation period which is a future event that's going to take place um israel will need to be fed and it's kind of crazy like uh i think it's like ravens or birds are going to bring them food in the wilderness and the manna will return and when you look at what manna really is it's kind of weird um uh and but that prayer just that even just that one small part of that prayer um it's not really applicable for us to pray. And even Jesus even warns against um, doing things in vain repetition. Um, so like if we pray that prayer just because oh, we got to pray this prayer, like, okay, that I don't think you're praying for what you think you need to pray for. And, you know, the Holy Spirit will intercede or whatever. <laughs> um but like, oh, do I have to say it out loud? Do I have to pray? Um, some people, some traditions will pray in tongues in like a different unknown language. Um, <clears throat> that's not what the gift of tongues is scripturally, but really praying is just communicating with God, not necessarily in a conversational sense. Like, hey there, hey, what's up? Like, get, okay, this is... I'm just going to say something right now. Like you could do it in your mind. And Paul in uh, one, one of the short verses that are easy to memorize is first Thessalonians five seventeen. pray without ceasing. Paul gives us like the, like he, this is a passage where he's like giving a bunch of uh, instructions like, Hey, you should do this. Like pray without ceasing is one of them. It's like, okay, that doesn't mean I'm going to close my eyes and bow my head all the time because that would be dangerous and kind of annoying. Um, but praying, pray without ceasing. It's kind of like going back to that passage where it says, um, be careful for nothing. Like instead of caring about everything, how about you just in that, in your mindset, like pray about that thing. Um, instead of worrying about it, like take it to God before his throne. My, my pastor likes to say like, when you go into prayer, cause you know, you can actually like bow your head and close your eyes and like get in a, in a prayer. But I see that more as a meditation. Um, he likes to envision the throne of God and the, the Bible is very descriptive of what that, what that looks like and what it sounds like. Um, and so he likes to actually like just em envision himself in front of the throne of God and like actually praying um, to him, to God himself. Because that's who we pray to. We don't pray to anyone else. We just pray to God. Um, and so uh, you kind of see in the Christian realm, like different modes of praying, you know, pray without ceasing like okay let's just talk to god like through our minds about everything not necessarily like okay i'm gonna do this god like help me but like 
<laughs> just thinking about it like as a mindset almost but there's also the times where you can sit down with someone and and say a prayer with them audibly like as a message like dear god like and we end it with amen um i mean it's different modes one thing i will say about prayer because a lot of people might emphasize like if they're showing someone the gospel the good news like hey jesus died for your sins he rose again and you can you can trust and believe on that just say this prayer with me and people think that uttering those exact words typed by someone on that piece of paper will save them like this the prayer doesn't save you like the prayer doesn't mean boom you're saved like it's a something in your heart that you have to work and and just uh like accept or I mean, accept isn't really the right word, but, you know, trust those words and trust that decision in your heart. It's not the words that you're speaking like, okay, let me like, dear God, please forgive me for my sin. Oh man. Yay. No, like you got to mean it. (laughs) And he already forgave you. You don't have to ask him forgiveness, but I digress. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could say a few other things about prayer too. Um, from a Baptist, uh, from a Baptist point of view or, you know, generally Christian, like we don't pray to other people like Mary or saints. Cause we're all saints in the body of Christ. Sainthood in the body, in the Bible is just a believer, someone that's saved. Uh, there's no higher level you can rise to or whatnot. Um, Mary, we don't pray to her. There's no instructions to pray to her. She, she actually prays to God herself in the Bible. So there's not really any reason she would need to pray for us. And the Bible says there's only one mediator between man and God, and that's Jesus. So we don't, we don't pray to anyone else. I mean, that's, there's only that one mediator between us and the Holy Spirit, obviously, um, is involved with that communication as well. And it's all God. It's just God's work. Um, so I think that's, I think that's what I'm going to say about prayer. Um, I'll keep it short and sweet. I do have a little bit of meditation stuff to talk about, but like any questions or anything that you might have or comments on that topic from my perspective, uh, so, because you were saying, like, you don't, you don't, like, pray, like, oh, please, you know, I need a, I need a new car or something. Like, you wouldn't, like, pray that, right? I mean, let your requests be made known unto God. So, like, hey, man, I am in a tight spot. Like, I really need this car. Like, pray for it. Like, Everyone, like a lot of people will say, like, God answers prayers in like three ways. He'll say, yes, he'll say, wait, or he'll say, I have something better for you. But I always say, no, he can say no. Like, <laughs> there's a no aspect to it. And I think that's like, I have something better for you is the is the nice way of putting no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess, like, what is 
what is the function of that prayer then if like if god already knows or has something better for you um, right it's it's really a a demonstration of faith and i think our prayers can affect an outcome like if no one prays about it like does like is that demonstrating our need or our faith in God that he can provide for us. And maybe he'll say, okay, like, since you're not praying about this, maybe I won't like, I won't give that blessing. Um, but I think really it's a demonstration and it's, it, I always uh, go back to like when God asks questions or Jesus asks questions in the Bible, it's to make you think. So I think it, it not only like, communicates your needs to god but it kind of helps you think about it yourself as well i was just about to like say like there's an aspect to it that is not just directed to god but also kind of like self-directed like kind of i don't know gives you this moment to be able to i don't know put things into perspective or like reflection almost even right yeah exactly and i'm gonna touch on that in a second too um but also with with prayer like you know god works in mysterious ways and he does um but i think with him like being all-knowing he knows our thought very thoughts um he's not an abstract like force working in the universe he does he can make things happen and he can answer things like he know i mean he knows you're going to ask it because he knows he's timeless but as you ask it in your timeline because this world this universe is bound by time like he can make that um he can make that w- request be answered and even there are some people that will say like they're they believe in some aspects of retroactive prayer so like oh man i just got this letter from a missionary from two months ago that they're asking for this to happen next month but i'm gonna pray about it anyways Um, i'm not sure exactly how that would work but um uh but um, there's something else that I was going to say about pr- like the function of prayer, but I don't remember what it was. Um, Cause what is the function of prayer? It's, you know, demonstration of your faith in God, like trusting what he can do in your life. Um, and, you know, we've, I mean, I've seen in my life, I've seen in other people's lives, like, prayers are answered and you know it's going to sound kind of cheesy to those that maybe not they maybe don't believe in the power of prayer or whatever but i've seen really really weird things work with prayer like wow that's i can't even believe that actually happened (laughs) um but you also have to be careful too because there's some people that will say you just got to pray and give me money and you can be blessed with the same luxury cars as I have. Um, and it's all a scam. Need new, I need a new private jet. You know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so there are a lot of, uh, a lot of um, 
scammers out there as well. Um, so it's all like praying for things is never a bad thing. And God can say no. God can say yes. Um, it all works out. Uh, it all works out. The Bible, as that passage said, like all things work for good to those that love him. Um, and it's according to his will, not yours. So if your requests are according to his will, then he he may answer it in your favor or whatever way you want to put it. Um, and uh, there there is one thing that I was going to say about the function, and it keeps ex- escaping my mind. Like, oh, that uh, it's like, oh yeah, that that'd be really good, but I don't remember. Uh, kind of a thought that just popped into my mind. Jesus prayed, and said, "Oh God, God's praying to Himself." Well, a, a person of the Godhead is praying to another person of the Godhead. Go back to the Trinity or the the uh, the deity episode, and I kind of touch on that. Um, and I mean, Jesus, God, the father is the one that like exacts his will. And you see Jesus like as in his, in his, in his body of flesh, he's like, I really like, if, if we can just like not have me crucified, like that would be great. Cause he says like, let this cup pass from me. Like, please let it pass from me. Cause he was under such stress and, and, uh, and dis- distress in like right before his crucifixion, he was sweating blood and all that. Um, and he's like, if this can pass from me, please. But he said, but not my will, your will be done. So he knew it had to be done because it's God's will and Jesus is God. But Jesus, the man, he's still a man. He's, he's fully man and fully God. He had a will of his own that was not going to be fulfilled in saying, passes from me um so i mean he prayed to god and um we see some prayer in in uh in the bible as even like in, i see some passages as singing like singing can be prayer um you see i think it was paul and it may this may have worked with Peter too, but like they were singing and when they were imprisoned, and their I think that was Peter because their chains were like just fell off when they were like praying and singing to God. But that could have been Paul too with the earthquake. I forgot which one it was, but I think it Paul did sing, and like the chains fell off or the earthquake happened. I don't remember. I had to refresh my my uh bible story time but um (laughs) um but that kind of goes into the thought about meditation and really the one place that talks about meditation the most is the book of the psalms um and the biggest chapter in the book in the bible ever the, the biggest chapter is psalm 119 and it every verse in that in that chapter talks about God's word. It talks about his statutes, his law, um, his word, his commandments, all those words go back to just, you know, God's word. Um, and it talks about 
meditating upon like God's commandments or God's word or God's statutes or works even. Um, and one of the biggest thing, one of the, like the most famous things that the book of Psalms are famous for is the word Selah, which means like, think on this thing, like think about it, like read that again, like read it one more time. Um, I think that the book of the Psalms, the Psalms are all very meditative and like, it makes you think. And when you read God's word, I think what we bring out of Psalm 119 and all the, like a lot of other Psalms is that when you read, like meditate on it, don't just read it as a book, but like really think about it and bring it into your mind and make it real in your mind. And, uh, and I think when we, when we look at meditation that way, um, I think we can apply the meditation to prayer as well, because we're, we're also thinking and bringing things into our mind and communicating that. So, uh, that just it's it, a very it's a very contemplative thing yeah i mean that's i mean very simply like meditation is contemplating thinking you know sela like thinking on these things um i remember i was talking to one fr- one friend a long time ago um and he, he's like yeah so I, i'll just pull out my bible in my pocket and like he literally just explained to me meditating meditations like I'll read a just a verse and I'll stop and think about it and like explain it to myself and explain it to God what it means I'm like oh yeah yeah that sounds like you're meditating on God's word and like a lot of people will call like reading the Bible like meditating like oh it's my morning meditation um, as as opposed to like reading cover to cover um, so it's, it's more, it's a more like fine tuned way of reading the word and, and applying it in your mind and your, and your life basically. Um, but again, the meditation, reading God's word, that's him communicating to you. And I think meditation also allows the Holy spirit to work in you, um, to communicate those things to you as well, because there is that spiritual sense of God's words. Um, like the, those that have the spirit and dwelling will understand spiritual things versus like the mind of, of man, like man's spirit. Um, so it's going back to what I said at the very beginning it's uh, like a two-way communication, prayers to God and then meditating or reading the word. Um, God's word is him communicating to us. So It's a, like a very real uh, kind of take on the thing you will see. Um, I'm sure it gets passed around a lot in Christian circles and in different like just generic spiritual 
uh, communities, you also see it like, oh, prayer is, you know, asking for something and or asking or talking and meditation is listening for the answer or or whatever. So there's yeah, like this yeah. aspect of talking or asking or and then an aspect of hearing and listening. Hey, exactly. I mean, that's basically exactly what it is. Um, and I did, I remember one thing about the prayer I was going to say, because when we were talking, it's like, what's the function? It's like making your requests made known to God because he could act on that request. But it's also like we were talking, it's also like a self-reflection um, because sometimes through those prayers, you find out what you need and you can do something about it too. Um, sometimes what you need to do is do something for yourself. You know, like, again, like if you don't work, you don't eat paraphrasing Paul. Um, but I think there's, there is sometimes a time that you need to, to answer your own prayer. And it's kind of like, Again, going back to when God asks a question, it's for us to think about it. Like, Adam, why are you hiding? Why are, Who told you you were naked? He asked Adam. Or um, um, I, for, I completely forgot any other questions that Jesus or God asked to other people. But it's always like to make them think, oh, yeah, like... Uh, um, Oh, no, never mind. I forgot. I completely forgot. <laughs> I'll remember one of these days. Um, but yeah, those, those, it's always to make you think about it, about like, what are you doing? Like when he asked, here's, when he asked Paul or Saul before he was known as Paul, uh, like, why per persecutest thou me? Like he was... Saul was traveling on the road and then all of a sudden he was struck with a bright light and God actually spoke to him saying like, why are you persecuting me? Like he wasn't like, I need answers. Why are you persecuting me? God, God knows. Um, but he was asking Paul and it was like, that was the conversion of Paul. And like, cause he, he was like, Oh Lord, what will the what will thou have me to do like that's that was his answer to the question um it's like why am i doing this um and he was blind for like a couple of days and then ananias healed his blindness and went on from there um but yeah i think those questions being asked by god or by jesus kind of shows how his word works as well because you know him asking those questions is his word are his words and us reading the bible are his words as well so like being shown these things we're supposed to be thinking about them and again contemplating them i think the the idea of the of asking a question as kind of a self-reflection thing um i mean i know in these in these examples it's god asking someone a question but like also the idea of you know praying 
praying for something gives you the opportunity to reflect on it as well. And it's kind of like asking yourself a question. Um, you know, if just going about your day and you find yourself, I don't know, like mad at the person who cut you off or something, you could always like drop in the question like, why am I mad? And it brings <laughs> like this self-reflection up. Like, what am I doing? You know? Exactly. Yeah, that's true. It's like, uh, like Solomon always says, there's no new thing under the sun. Well, he doesn't always say that, but I always quote him. Because <laughs> <laughs> you'll find similarities in everything, and that's because there's nothing new under the sun. Everything's, Everything comes from somewhere, and nothing's really that creative, especially if you listen to pop music. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Which we'll talk about music one of these days. Oh, yeah. It's going to be an awesome episode. So what about you? What What do you have on meditation, prayer? I'll tackle prayer first because it's probably going to be the shorter of my exposition. Um, There's really no concrete idea of prayer in buddhism um there, we don't pray to the buddha or anything uh, some traditions will but not the traditions i most adhere to yeah so um, when when i virtually visited the buddha the buddhist temple for a school project they did have supplications and and I don't know if they called them prayers or like um, um, some of them. So some of the of the things were called prayers um, or are called prayers. Um, there's like prayer to spread the Dharma and uh, and there's a lot of supplications and stuff. Um, and. The role with which those play are, <clears throat> I don't know, I'm, like in, in early Buddhism, like in Theravada, you don't get that as much, um, especially like supplications to different, like in Tibetan Buddhism, you get a lot of different uh, bodhisattvas and these, these, uh, awakened beings and you have like these prayers and supplications to them um which in the vajrayana tradition and maybe the mahayana i'm i'm not sure i'm not too familiar with how that goes um but definitely in vajrayana you get these you get this idea of like praying um to a certain awakened being or bodhisattva to cultivate the qualities that they represent so like manjushri is the bodhisattva of wisdom and so you will uh pray and meditate and visualize like maybe becoming manjushri kind of cultivating and instilling this idea of insight wisdom um but you don't get that a whole lot in theravada um and it's not personally a practice i find useful 
Um, and I mean, in Theravada, you do get like, you know, like a supplication to the Buddha, kind of a, kind of just a, an homage, like recognizing him as an awakened person and also mo probably most importantly the the teacher of this teaching kind of just like a a gratitude um in a way hmm. um and you also have uh many traditions might have uh like a, a meta prayer um you that's that's really uh difficult for me to kind of separate between prayer and meditation there because you're like a meta um meditation you're you're or prayer you're cultivating this loving kindness and like spreading uh and spreading it in all directions to all beings um and similarly in the tibetan tradition there's this meditation called tonglen which you're visualizing taking in everyone's suffering and using your heart of compassion as this kind of filter. And so you're, you're breathing in all the suffering, breathing out like calm and peaceful, you know, I don't know, vibes. <laughs> <laughs> so when you uh, talk about like cultivation, like cultivating it, like it's really just like to manifest it like in your Manifests actions or your intentions or something you yeah you're, so to cultivate something you're it's it, it kind of goes back to the to the like emphasis that it's a that this is a practice a training you know you go to the gym to cultivate big muscles um and you know there's work and progress and stuff and so in a in a practice like that you're you're working with like especially in a vajrayana type of setting where you're working with a lot of like mantras and visualizations you're giving your mind and your speech and your body like symbols with with dharmic meanings to it um to help focus and uh give your mind and your speech something more skillful to do than to just proliferate and so yeah the cultivation is kind of a, a building up a you know a working out in a way um of the mind and heart um hmm. but uh with that said i don't really do a whole lot with vajrayana practices i just know a little about a, a little about them um but from like from an early buddhist perspective you um you might have a metta a loving kindness practice where you're um where you're cultivating like loving kindness which helps in many many ways um but like with tonglen also in the tibetan tradition um i keep going back to that um tonglen is you know the breathing in of suffering and the breathing out of of relief um and this isn't like we 
we don't believe that we're actually like sending out, you know, relief to people and like, oh, they should feel it. Um, but it really is like an inner transformation of what might not be compassionate, you know, feelings towards people. Because um, you start with like yourself and then a benefactor and close friends and family and then like, oh, and then strangers and oh, and then enemies and then to everyone. And so you're trying to cultivate this this compassionate uh compassionate outlook to all beings because like part of it is realizing that we're all suffering and deserving of compassion and um and i think the dalai lama had said uh about tonglen that it's oh it's not like the effect won't be felt by them directly. Like they won't feel a magical wave of relief, you know, coming from your heart, but it affects you because now you are, you know, actively trying to cultivate this and you're going to make some inner changes. And then from there, they might be affected by how you treat them later on. Right. Um, and I think the same goes with the loving kindness, uh, the the meta. Um, you know, you're you're wishing well for all beings. You're extending this what might what is usually translated as loving kindness. Sometimes like loving friendliness or just friendliness in general. Um, this, yeah, and it's. A lot of it is happens inside um, rather than using psychic abilities or something. Hmm. Uh, but as far as prayer goes, <clears throat> um, there's not a whole lot to it. Like if there are other prayers that aren't really coming to mind, it really does have to do with kind of like an inner in inner directed uh, approach i think okay so is that separate from meditation then like when you approach it that oh. way yes kind of mostly yes um, okay and i will i'll start i'll because I mean, it, I can. I think it kind of depends on the tradition too. Like some traditions, like oh, you should do a meta practice before your formal meditation or after your formal meditation. Um. <laughs> but so meditation in Buddhism is, I mean, huge. Um. So yeah, meditation is huge in buddhism i think a lot of people might see buddhism as oh the religion of meditation and it's definitely the shiniest uh, most attractive part of buddhism um just because you know there's it's so mystical and um but i digress uh so when you look at buddhist practice you see especially when you look at like the noble eightfold path 
you see that it's broken into three categories. And I mentioned this, I think, in our ethics video, our episode on ethics, that the Eightfold Path is broken into, like, so there's the ethics practice, the, uh, well, there's the wisdom ethics, and uh, what you might be able to call concentration or the kind of the meditative side and so i i guess i'll be talking about that mostly um okay because the, th the three the three aspects of the eightfold path that falls under that that kind of meditative category are is our right effort right mindfulness and right concentration what's called right concentration i think concentration is a bad uh, translation for it um and many people would agree with that it's kind of an archaic translation of something less aggressive um because in the west concentration has this forceful you know mm -hmm. um and it's a little not that but so i want to mainly talk about uh, so, so Buddhist meditation really will differ a little bit between traditions, but I'll, most of them you will find are focused around this, this kind of twofold, um, meditation practice of um of mindfulness and what you might call concentration or kind of uh stilling the mind or settling the mind um there, there's some really good other translations out there other than concentration but um i like stilling the mind it's it's just a, a, a nicer uh, <laughs> translation. So you have stilling the mind and mindfulness. And mindfulness and... So the, the mindfulness meditation will fall under right mindfulness of the Eightfold Path, while stilling the mind will fall under right concentration or right stilling of the mind. I don't know. Um... And this is where it kind of gets like controversial in Buddhist, uh, in the world of Buddhism, because it's like different schools will have different emphases, I guess, on what is important in meditation. And so I'm, I'm I guess I will talk mostly about like a mindfulness meditation. Um, and I know I went over uh, the f four foundations of mindfulness in our episode on ethics and mindfulness. Um, but I think it bears importance in kind of covering, again, from a, a different angle, from a meditative angle. Um, and so in, in Buddhist meditation practice, what is generally done, especially if you're approaching it from a, a mindfulness meditation practice, you'll get these different practices. Uh, it's usually called Vipassana. It's kind of uh, 
the de facto word for mindfulness meditation. But where we get the, the teachings for this mindfulness practice is from, there's two there's two suttas that are like extremely popular and famous for uh, the mindfulness meditation. And that's the Satipatthana Sutta, which is covers the four foundations of mindfulness. Um, and then there's a another sutta called the Anapanasati Sutta, which is mindfulness with breathing. And this... Um, so four foundations of mindfulness we've covered before it's the body feelings, mental states and dhammas and mindfulness with breathing gives you 16 steps in a, a meditative practice with the breath that, um, that I've seen, I've actually seen the 16 steps broken down to match the four foundations so the first four steps will deal with the body. The next four steps will deal with uh, feelings, etc. Um, but it's a, it's a fairly um, in-depth uh, practice. The I mean the sixteen steps of Anapanasati. You start with the the first step. The first instruction is uh, breathing in short one discerns I am breathing in short you know second step is breathing in long one discerns I am breathing in long and so and then the next one I think is uh, discerning the body with the breath and it goes all the way to very profound, you know, un understanding impermanence and suffering and the Four Noble Truths. And um, so one can see undertaking the practice of mindfulness meditation with the breath um, can go all the way to liberation. Um, and so what gets controversial is uh, the relationship between mindfulness meditation and concentration meditation. And what I see in, in the framework of the Eightfold Path is that they are simultaneously supportive of each other. And I'll kind of just go into like a very basic introduction to both. So like with a mindfulness meditation, um, you know, you you know you're formally sitting in a formal practice of meditation and what you're doing is you are you you have a meditation object which is what the four foundations of mindfulness are about they offer these foundations in which to place your mindfulness and with these foundations um let's use the breath for example that's the most popular uh object of meditation it's pretty neutral. It's there with you all the time, and it's always changing. So it's a good it's a, it's a good experience of a of impermanence. And so you sit down, and um, a lot of people will say, you know, pay you know pay attention to your your nostrils or your lip, and 
as you're breathing in uh, naturally, you can watch this this process unfold, this sensation. And I really like what Anapanasati says is, you know, if you're breathing in short, one discerns, I'm breathing in short. And that, you know, that gives you a full, like, awareness of what's going on. You are, you are present and fully aware of that process. Um, and, you know, what usually ends up happening is your mind wanders. Um, and it doesn't make you a bad meditator. That is literally what happens in meditation. Um, <laughs> the trick is to, you know, whenever you catch yourself doing that, to bring yourself back to that object. And in that way, I see an overlap of mindfulness meditation and concentration meditation. Because concentration is stilling the mind. You're, you are giving your mind, your attention, kind of a place to rest. Um, a lot of people will say, oh, you're single laser focus on one object. And that's a little harsh i think um i like to imagine as you know giving your mind a perch like you know like just think of think of like a bird in a cage with nowhere to land and then you stick a perch in there and it lands on there it's giving your mind a place to settle on hmm. and through that um you know that settling of the mind uh the, the, I think in short, like the activities and like every, everything that can pull your attention away, like eventually starts settling and calming down. And the goal of all of this is to be able to, to be able to see things clearly. So if you're, you know, if your mind is really settled on your breath, you're watching your breath as it's happening and in a perfect world you can you can start discerning you know the 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 reality of the breath which is it's impermanent there's no self you know and um and also with this concentration meditation um in the suttas the buddha talks a lot about these this this idea of concentration is stilling the mind because this is where the jhanas come into play. These meditative absorptive states of, of deeper and deeper, uh, almost like serenity. And through these meditative absorptive states, your mind gets clearer and clearer. And, and that is, um, is what is described a lot as like the moments before the Buddha's enlightenment is like delving deeper into these states of concentration and stillness. And, you know, the mind becomes clearer and you're able to discern, you know, reality. And hmm. I mean, it seems like a very, uh, lofty goal um, and it, I mean, it is, uh, that's, you know, the, the ultimate goal of any of this practice is full liberation, but that is not to say that there are n not other like benefits 
to meditation. Yeah, and that, that was one thing I wanted to bring up. Like, I see a lot of places, a lot of things, like, talking about, like, controlled breathing or, like, breathing meditation. And I've seen it in my even my circles. Like, people will do that to help with their anxiety or their blood pressure or helping them to get to sleep um well like and mindful practice mindfulness practices for like eating and everything like i've seen a lot of those types of practices if you will in a more secular setting oh yeah i mean uh, yeah that's huge um but the thing about the breathing is that in in like Anapanasati, it's you're not it's not a controlled like breath work or anything. You're watching your natural breath. Yeah, yeah, and I think and and it's because it's not like the the breath work that's important. It's the the mindfulness of. I mean, you don't have to use your your breath at all. Um, uh, you could also you know use any of the foundations as a, as as a way. And like, you know, I, sometimes I, I, I get lost in like, in, oh, seeing reality as it is, but like really at the, at the core of it is, um, is kind of tackling the, of, of clinging to self, um, because that's what's really at, at the core of, of seeing reality as it is. What you're doing is you're. Your, and why the body's so useful is you can, you know, practice this mindful, you know, meditation of, of the body and, and directly experiencing it. You, you can realize, oh, there's, you know, this, this aspect of me actually isn't me. It's a, it, there's a process going on here. You know, there's, there's this long breath or this short breath devoid of like of me in there um and i mean in the foundations of mindfulness under under the body category the buddha you know offers this this kind of radical practice of like of looking at your body and and separating the parts out into 32 different parts um and oh you know there's there's head hair and body hair and sweat and muscles and bones and a liver and a kidney and joint like oil in the joints and uh, four humors (laughs) and it's like oh there's all this stuff going on and and also, um, even more radical practice, which I, this is one of my favorite parts of the of the body foundation is, um, I think in Pali it's Maranasati, and it's mindfulness of death, and it's and uh, in the in the Satipatthana Sutta he talks about like you know contemplating your body as if it is a week a week dead or two weeks or a month and like the state of decay all the way to your bones have now turned to dust in the dirt Hmm. um and it's 
it's uh, as I said, it's a pretty radical uh, approach to mindfulness of the body, but it's it's actually a really really powerful uh, practice that a lot of monastics will actually hold in high regard, um, if not the highest regard. Hmm. And that real like that right there, like that practice, like when done correctly, can really accelerate the uh, like the understanding of of uh, well, the understanding on also like the clinging to self, like you no longer, you know are clinging so hard to this to, to youth and beauty and um there's a lot especially in monastic circles of of dispassion for the body and sense pleasures like oh wow yeah we're gonna be dust and decay and worms will be crawling through my skull and <laughs> and you know some people are like wow that's like really horrible but but you know from buddhist perspective it's like well first of all it's inevitable like you can kick and scream all you want but that body will decay in the like, dust. this will you happen know? to you this yeah there like, will there be will, worms <laughs> there will be worms in your skull at some point <laughs> like unless you're you know incinerated or whatever um but that that's just another different a different kind of disgust you know exactly um and yeah, I kind of got sidetracked by... No, I think that's... Like, contemplating your physical mortality... Um, that's... I, I don't remember where I heard it, but it's like... It might have been a movie or something. It's like, when's the first time you realized... You're, like, full... Like, when you realized your mortality or something, or, like... Something like that. It's like... You know... This actually, I don't know if this would fall under prayer or meditation, um, or maybe just the like a kind of an informal mindfulness practice. But the Buddha actually uh, like insisted that uh, that we recall every day these five things, and he calls them the five recollections or five remembrances. And it's you know I am subject to aging i cannot escape aging it will happen everyone is no one can escape aging i am susceptible to illness everyone is there is no escaping illness death like i am subject to death cannot escape it like that will happen to everyone um and Mm -hmm. And I will change. I will separate from everything I love and hold dear. Like those things are going to change. Everything's changing. Can't stop it. And then the last one is more of a positive kind of, um, but not really. It's more of a still kind of a slap in the face of reality. And it's like nothing, like the only thing that, the only thing that you will like take with you, um, the only thing you are heir to and subject to and is is the consequences of your actions 
Hmm. Um, and and he 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 highly insisted and suggested that these five remembrances we recollect every day to help strengthen our uh, our dedication to the practice and to uh, can give ur urgency um, to give urgency to, to what's what's important right now hmm. you know yeah that makes me think about well one thing for some reason popped into my head was the um, was the biblical thought of like dying to yourself daily and it almost kind of goes into like how our our like God's mercy is new every day and how we should be renewing our mind every day but I was also I was mainly thinking about that that was just a side thought like oh yeah that kind of reminds me of that but like um Paul talks about how I think he was mainly talking about like afflictions and maybe it just kind of goes along with like the mortal life but he says um um for which cause we faint not but though our outward man perish yet the inward man is renewed day by day oh there's that day by day thing again um for our light affliction which is but for a moment worketh far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not on the things which are seen but the things that are not seen for the things that are seen are temporal but the things that are not seen are eternal so it's like the same thing like are the temporal physical mortal things like that it's not really going to matter um it's it's uh, from a biblical perspective it's the things that are not seen the eternal things um for the e eternal life basically um and you know we always i always hear preachers and teachers talking about you know this gross flesh this this thing i'm in like <laughs> It's not like it's not pretty. Like we just try to make ourselves look as good as we can. Well, it's really not that great. <laughs> yeah, there's like a strong tradition in in the monastic sphere of uh, of like cultivating repulsion. And a lot of people are like, "Wow, that's like so harsh." Like we, you're you you practice like seeing. The human body is disgusting and gross. It's like, I mean, first of all, like kind of is, <laughs> but also it's, it's, it's almost like a, a, a balancing act because we are, we are so enamored and attached to the body and the sense pleasures that like this, this, this practice of, of recognizing it as, repulsive or whatever like is actually just kind of pulling you in the right direction of it's a, just a neutral impermanent experience mm. and and that 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 repulsiveness helps you kind of like 
get there like oh okay like you know it's it's not all great <laughs> but right um, man this could be an episode topic <laughs> i know maybe it should be maybe i have so much more i want to say about it but yeah yeah so, let's do that well do you have anything else on the uh topic of prayer or meditation because we'll um, table this discussion for like another episode because it's this is a, that would be a really good topic yeah maybe next episode yeah maybe um see organic leave conversations it as, leave it as i'll leave it as with a segue and of sorts and um i think it's from the tibetan tradition that i hear about like they say meditation is you're just practicing being dead um <laughs> and in a way like i don't completely agree with it but in a way i I see the genius of it because in in meditation what you're doing is you know yeah you're you know you might be you know focused on a on a meditation object uh you know watching it experientially but what you're also doing is you're relinquishing control or relinquishing your your the illusion of control um and not doing anything else you know like and that's halfway dead right there (laughs) (laughs) oh but i mean there's so much more i could say about meditation but i don't know if it's any of it's going to be coherent um i don't know if any of what i have said is coherent uh it has been i i think so Another thing, another concluding statement of uh, meditation, especially mindfulness meditation like Vipassana. And I hear this from a lot of uh, like Vipassana proponents is that like, I mean, it sounds complicated and convoluted, but they say if it's not simple, it's not Vipassana. And Hmm. it's... It's all about, it's really all about mindfully being with whatever it is you're with, your breath, your body, death, feeling tone, whatever. Like if you can, if you can fully just like be there and watch it like, I mean, just as the Anapanasati Sutta kind of illustrates, if you can fully, you know, practice mindfulness with just your breath, that will take you all the way. Hmm. Of course, the rest of the Eightfold Path is, like, mixed in there as well. Um, If you practice one aspect, you are just strengthening the rest, but... Hmm. Um, but I digress. If it's not simple, it's not impossible. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, I think that that sounds like a good place to stop there. Um, really, really good uh, conversation. Really, very interesting. Um, and of course, we found our our organic segue. So. Um, that means that the conversation went in the right direction. 
Uh, well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, for you listeners and viewers, remember to describe, to describe, um, subscribe. I couldn't even think of the word. Like, um, leave reviews, share it, email, DM on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, like share it with your friends, share it with your colleagues, share it with the people that you hate the most. Um, <laughs> hopefully that list is short. But <laughs> Practice a loving kindness with them and share this podcast. Unless you hate this podcast, then don't do it. Yeah. And still share it, though. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that will do it. Uh, yeah, thank you for all that do listen. We really appreciate it. And let us know what you think. On that note, this has been The Baptist. And The Buddhist. With Mark. And Brian. And with that, we bid the farewell. Until next time.